Hello again, everyone. This is Rome Business Radio, and we thank you so much for joining us. We are broadcasting from our studios in the Hardy on Broad space in downtown Rome, Georgia, on Broad Street. We, brought, we work in cooperation with the Rome News Tribune. I am Roger Manus with Rome Business Radio. I'm Carly Parker with the Rome Floyd Chamber. Today on the podcast, we have Justin Shepard with River Remedy Brewing Company, Matt Hart with Boy Scouts of America, Renee Blackburn with Free Clinic of Rome. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello. How we doing? Good. Uh, Justin, it's a little early, but did you bring any beverages? No, I did not. <laughs> I was really hoping for a sour. I had one job. <laughs> <laughs> most, next time, next time. Most people kickstart their day with coffee or something, but uh, just wanted to cut to the chase. Well, it, seriously, thanks everybody for joining us here for the Rome Floyd Chamber Small Business Spotlight. So we'll just kind of go around the room here briefly, get a little big picture of your organizations, you know, for a minute or two, and then we'll we'll continue our conversation and our cocktail party without the cocktails. Uh, Renee Blackburn, Free Clinic of Rome. Tell us a little bit about it, what it is you guys do. I'd be happy to. So um, Free Clinic of Rome has actually been around next year. We will celebrate our 20th anniversary. Oh, congratulations. We've been here for a while now. Um, born and founded here in Rome, Georgia. Uh, a lot of people know, you know, there used to be a lot of soup kitchens. Now there's the community soup kitchen, but there used to be about four different churches that had soup kitchens and volunteers at those kitchens realized that the folks that were coming in to be fed we're getting their their nourishment needs taken care of their sheltering needs were being met here in Rome but nobody was addressing their medical needs and um, and they were dire so once that was realized and somebody wanted to do something about it they started once a month um, at the Salvation Army with volunteer doctors and nurses had everything stuffed into a little closet, blood pressure cuffs, privacy screens, stethoscopes, all went to the closet once a month, came out, and folks were seen at the Salvation Army. Um, long about 2003, um, it was founded in 2006 and 2007, um, Board of Directors, Executive Director, and Articles of Incorporation um, were oh, you got taken all, you care got, of. You got all legal. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> got it all legal, and we became an official 501c3. Um, a lot of folks know Barbara Earl, who is a great um, community service here in the area, and she was executive director for the first nine years at the clinic, and then um, she is my mentor. I came in six years ago, and um, she is on my speed dial still, <laughs> and um, she handed the baton over to me, and I have been able to be the director there since. We actually provide uh, medical care to those with no insurance in the area um, that are low income, 200% or below the poverty level. Um, faces on that have changed a lot over the years. Um, best example I like to give people is, you know, back in 2008 when Northwest Regional was still here and up and running and then all of a sudden shut down, you know, there were over a thousand employees here in our community that had great benefits from the state of Georgia that no longer had any benefits at all, but they still had diabetes or uh, hypertension sure. or those things going on. They still needed their medicines on a daily basis and free clinics on influx there. A lot of what we've seen over the past few years has just been, um, I think now the term, is it gig workers, y'all? Is that what you call folks that have like a, a little bit of a part-time or it's no insurance or no benefits, a lot of tips, but no um, benefits. We have a lot of folks that work those part-time jobs and just don't have insurance. Um, so we do have um, a good homeless population that we care for. We do have a lot of folks that just um, can't afford insurance or are not working because they don't really fit into the disabled um, category to receive a check. They just need a lot of help. 
um, or they're working those two and three jobs trying to make ends meet and, and no insurance is, is offered. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not laughing about that. I'm laughing because somebody in here is, is like totally commiserating. <laughs> yeah, Justin was just for, this is a podcast, Justin. People can't see you pointing at yourself. Oh, I know. <laughs> There's no video, but maybe in the future we'll be able to televise this. Uh, but Justin, let's, let's uh, swing to you with River Remedy Brewing Company. Uh, I did a little Googling. Uh, first of all, how did you guys get started? How long you been around? And, and what's, the, what's the story behind River Remedy? So we opened up in December of last year in 2021. Um, it was a project we started in about late 2020 between me and a few others. Um, I have been in the craft beer industry for about six years now, uh, almost seven. And I had made the leap into... A brewery back in 2020 and helped open a brewery in Calhoun called Freight and Rail. Um, I did not own part of that, but I was asked to come help open that up. And it opened up in late February when the state shut down all the stuff in March. So it was a whole thing. Um, and unfortunately, that brewery is no longer around. They they did not make it out through 2020. But that gave me the opportunity once I saw a lot of the workings and all that to start my own project with it. And uh, talked to some like-minded individuals that I've known in the beer industry for a while, um, mostly regulars that I've had and things like that, and really good friends and you know people that are always telling me, "Hey, uh, you should, you should brew this. You should make this beer and sell it." You know, like like any hobby, if you get a hobby, all your friends tell you, you need to go sell it, and make a business <laughs> out of it. And obviously, it's way more than that. You have to. There's a lot that goes into that kind of stuff. And so I got them all involved and asked them if they wanted to go forward with it and actually do this. And oddly enough, they said yes. And so we started officially and incorporated back in April of 21. And by December, we were open as a bar. Um, As most people know, we are not brewing yet. We have 80% of our equipment right now. Right. Uh, the other 20% is on the way. It's the part that takes time. And then right after that is installed, we can go to the agriculture department and revenue department and apply for our state licenses. And you guys are over on Glenn Milner overlooking the Etowah. Mm -hmm. Um, and what's the remedy part of your name? So charity, uh, we've kind of made it known, but we're trying to do a better job of that and make more announcements about it. We'll probably run an article in the paper soon. Or you could do a podcast. Well, we could do a podcast. Uh, so what we've decided to do from the very beginning is donate a, a portion of all of our proceeds or a portion of our proceeds in general to charities. And what we do is we pick one uh, every quarter. And Now it's the, my turn to point. <laughs> the, so, for example, we opened up in December, and after the first quarter was over, we didn't tell anybody we were really doing this. And uh, we had a rock concert in April, and at that rock concert, we presented the Davy Shelter with $2,000 check. That's oh. awesome. And then yeah. uh, back a few weeks ago, we had a, another rock concert in July, and we presented the Pause Shelters with a $2,200 check based on our sales. Um, right now, we are currently trying to support the CRBI, the Coosa River Basin Initiative. Good for you guys. Uh, yeah, I knew it was an interesting story behind the name. Um, all right, well, we'll circle back around. Let's check in with, with Matt Hart with the Boy Scouts of America, the Northwest Georgia Council. Hi, Matt. Good morning. Tell us a little bit about scouting that maybe we don't know. <laughs> scouting, it's neat. I, I, I'm hearing both of these other guests talk about, you know, they've started in 2020. A lot of folks don't realize, you know, scouting's been around since, you know, 112 years now. And wow. we've, we've been in Rome since 1912. 
and uh, it's an institution. Uh, multiple generations come through scouting. Now, scouting's changed a lot since 1910 and 1912, but uh, it's a very exciting time. We're blessed to serve about 5,000 families in seven northwest Georgia counties. We're headquartered here. Uh, most of the folks in this area know us best because of Camp Sydney Dew. Uh, right. Camp Sydney Dew is Georgia's oldest scout camp, and it runs thousands of guests through it annually. It's an institution that is beloved. Uh, I, f- I see folks in town uh, they don't know I work for the Boy Scouts, but they know I run Camp Sydney Do. <laughs> so it's kind of the same thing, but uh, you know our programs start from kindergarten. Uh, the youngest of programs, and we can keep a young person involved until they're 21. And of course, we do that with about 3,000 dedicated volunteers across our area. So we we jokingly say we got something for everyone from the womb to the tomb. It's something in scouting, and we've got. And we're blessed. We're in a great part of the world where uh, families love scouting. People love the out of doors. And uh, through our various badge program, we can introduce you to about 159 different possible careers or hobbies that will stay with you for forever. That's what it did for me. Well, yeah, yeah, because you were, you were in scouting. You're an Eagle Scout, right? I'm an Eagle Scout from this council. So uh, Good for you. How I, long does that take? I don't really know anything about um, Boy Scouts, obviously. Um. <laughs> Depends on the motivation of the young person, because in the scouting program, you set goals. And that's what we, you know, you te- teach a young person to set a goal and to set an objective. You know, some folks can do it as fast as, you know, two years. Then we have several that are they're sliding in our office park lot on two wheels, 30 minutes before their 18th birthday, trying to get their paperwork in. So okay, that's the deadline. <laughs> that's the deadline. You got to do it before you turn 18. I think there's a lot of projects that have been done around this area too, that were Eagle Scout projects. They're all that over have the place. Just helped so many of the local charities, but also just the County or, or our area in general. Um, Eagle Scouts, I guess they pick a project. Is that right? Yes, ma'am. The, the requirement is you, you plan, everything involved with it. The, the goal here is to teach project management and project planning because good Eagle Scouts, if you do it right, you won't lift your own finger. Your job is to plan it, get the approvals, visit with the beneficiary, recruit them, recruit all the manpower, uh, you know, secure all the resources to make it happen from start to finish. And, uh, the beneficiary has to approve of it. That's one of the signatures on their Eagle application. But yeah, but they're all over the place. It's like everything. The projects themselves, though, are, are there is just such a wide variety of things. I know I read like last week, I think the um, the Southeastern Guide Dog Association down in yep. Florida had an Eagle Scout that came in and made some training equipment that they mm-hmm. use for the puppies yep. that they um, are training to be guide dogs. Yep. And then I've seen where there is, I guess, maybe handicap accessible or wheelchair accessible ADA type stuff that's built by eagle scouts there's no um, there's no gardens that yep. are done by eagle scouts it's amazing there's but been all. lots around rome you go down to like the lock and dam area mm-hmm. fencing and campsites and trail work uh we're blessed we have about 50 to 60 eagle scouts in our council every year and every one of them does a project that's and be- it's just the project it basically is just to improve on planet earth i guess is the is the big like it's just something to to benefit mankind or to benefit the area that they are in. Yeah, the, the requirement um, reads: working with your uh, religious institution or community, mm-hmm. do a project which guides, leads, and directs others. The only thing is, we can't be a, the BSA cannot be a beneficiary of an Eagle project. I wish we could send them oh. all to camp and they could do all their projects <laughs> out there. That would but that's be awesome. not the way. It's got to benefit others, and there cannot be any self serving in there. So that's uh, awesome. Well, lots is, of churches and that kind of thing. This is the opportunity where I need to brag a little bit. I've got four. Four nephews that made Eagle. Oh, wow. 
Wow. Uh, one in your council. Good job. Uh, Stuart Cates, uh, Rome High student. Uh, his, his Eagle project was uh, some picnic tables and everything for the Chieftain's Museum. Um, so shout out to my nephews. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> my, my, my sisters have done a good job raising their kids. <laughs> I, I, I was a wee blow for about two months way back when, and uh, for some reason it didn't take with me, and I wish I had paid more attention to it. But um, I hear that every day. Yeah. Um, and um, is it more? Is it important for parents to be involved? Does that help the kids continue with the connection, or do some kids just jump in and they're all in all the time? Well, some of both. In the Cub Scouting program, which is K through five, it is a family-based program. You know, mom or dad or grandma, they're the person working with them in and out. Now, when they cross over into the Scouts BSA program, it's much more of a youth-led. So as you get older, you get more and more personal responsibility. Right. Um, and you yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, I do want to talk about how, um, like, Free Clinic of Rome, how are you guys funded? Um, so no state or federal funding comes to us. Um, right. We were founded in this community. We are supported by this community. Um, both hospitals, Car- Harbin Clinic, um, are big supporters of ours. A lot of the local churches, um, private donors and private businesses in the community, um, I, we do write for grants and uh, receive grants, but we do have a fundraiser once a year. Just so happens it's tonight <laughs> at 5 o'clock um, at the Wilder Center over here at First United Methodist Church. Right. Um, and, you know, Louis Grizzard said, um, it's impossible to think anything but pleasant thoughts when you're eating a tomato sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> so it's always a good thing, um, but it is, it's it's almost like a, a nice church homecoming. You know, it's just good food, good people, good fun. Um, if anybody is coming downtown for first Friday night concert, come see us. We're serving five to seven. For tomato and sandwiches? For a tomato sandwich. <laughs> get your tomato sandwich and your sweet tea and your homemade dessert. Yeah. And if you need it in the to-go box to take to the concert with you, fine. Um, if you don't want our sweet tea, if you want to go grab a beer over at River Remedy and then go, that's fine too. Um, but our fundraiser um, here, that is that is one of our big ways of bringing in funds. Um, one, I have to brag about this. So we have the ability when it comes to healthcare. Everybody knows how expensive healthcare is; it's astronomical. Um, but at the free clinic, we have the ability for every dollar donated to turn it into ten dollars worth of healthcare. Okay, for folks. Um, we have the ability to make those bucks stretch a long good way. Good steward of the dollar. It, we are good stewards of the dollar, but it's also because we have such great folks in this area that volunteer and help us. You know, we um, there's a little over a hundred free and charitable care clinics in Georgia, believe it or not. Um, we are one of only three that do not have to pay a physician or a mid-level like a nurse practitioner. We don't pay a physician to see our patients. Our patients, um, we have such great volunteers in this area um, and always have. <clears throat> I have to give credit and, and say, you know, we one of the best docs we had, Dr. Robert Williams, we lost this past year. Dr. Williams was 82 years old and still seeing patients at the clinic before the lockdown happened. Um, we have great people that have served on our board for a long time. Um, Bill Carroll, who I, I, I can't even tell you now where in that um, eighth decade he is, but he's there. <laughs> and um, he has he has 
been part of the free clinic um, back and forth several times throughout the the life of the clinic and has just done amazing stuff in the way of ownership uh, donorship and and getting other people to support um, he's he's an octogenarian and I can't run fast enough to keep up with him. <laughs> um, we have doctors the same way nurses the same way and and families here that have just been awesome and always supporting and um I, i'll be honest with you i feel like i have the best job because i get to be the ambassador i get to be the nurse i get to see those patients face to face help take care of those patients but see the good that's done there and um this is not so much about our community but if you guys remember or happen to know what's happened in eastern kentucky this past week oh sure um there was a community clinic in Eastern Kentucky, a Dr. Van Breeding that works there, and he sent out a, a plea saying everything in their clinic was underwater. Everything was gone. It was ruined. Um, Whitesburg, Kentucky has uh, is in Letcher County. Letcher County has about 22,000 people. About 12,000 were affected by flash floods. Um, and um, in that area, they lost so much, but Dr. Breeding put out a plea and said, we have nothing left in our clinic that hasn't been underwater. We need everything. Um, we found this out about 10 o'clock Saturday morning. By 4 o'clock Saturday afternoon, y'all, there was $100,000 worth of medical supplies in a truck loaded up by 14 volunteers pulling out a free clinic parking lot heading to Whitesburg. Oh, good and, for y'all. Um, a retired nurse here in our area um, and myself took took this up, and we offloaded at 1045 on Saturday night. And, and by 8 o'clock Sunday morning, they were giving out insulin that nobody had had and they desperately needed. Good for y'all. Um, so it's great. It's great to see the work that goes in our community, but it's also great to have those people get behind you and support you and say, yes, if y'all can get it up there where somebody needs it worse than we do today, get it up there. So um, I love this community for what they do here, but I love this community for what they do for others too. Sure. Uh, good for you guys. Um, Justin, we know, how you're, we know how you're funded selling beer. Um, of course, <laughs> but it's it's also interesting. Not every business, when they open their doors, has a charitable heart to say oh, we're going to give a proceed, you know, some proceeds to local charities. And I noticed that <laughs> Matt already handed you his business card. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you're. I'm not a beer guy, but there are people who are. <laughs> Excuse you. Excuse you. If anybody uh, thought I, Roger Manus was perfect, they now know he's not. I don't think anybody has ever thought that. <laughs> uh, but uh, Carly, apparently Carly's thirsty. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not a drinker at all. I, I'm a fan of orange, Sprite, milk, and orange juice guy. Uh, but anyway, so... But I get it. It's a it's an art almost. These craft beers and t- tell us a little bit about you know as opposed to going to the grocery store and buying a six pack of something off. The, tell us what it is about the art of what you guys do. So craft breweries are they're not new, but the idea of them in Georgia on this kind of scale is finally popping up you always hear about how many breweries there are out in the northwest. Like you go to Washington and there's like three hundred in their state. We have like. Uh, last time I looked, it was like 120 in Georgia. Um, but some of the laws are starting to change where you can do smaller ones like this. Uh, in fact, the one that changed for us to be able to do this was only changed back like five years ago. Uh, breweries couldn't sell to the public until five years ago. Oh, okay. Uh, so because of that, now I can open up as a bar and work as a bar with my own product. As far as the art goes, like it, 
it's all on the preferences of the brewer and also the communities that they work with. Uh, you always hear about the big name brands and the stuff that you see on the shelves, the six pack you can go buy at Kroger or whatever. And a lot of those are competing for what's popular, what's hip, and what's new, you know, competing with the newest, coolest IPA or sour. Uh, in our case, we won't be doing that right off. Uh, we don't know when we'll be doing that. We're not worried about it. Uh, our goal right now is to only be selling out of our local tap room here in Rome and adjust what we make based on what people drink here. So maybe that'll be a citrusy IPA. Maybe it'll be a raspberry sour. Who knows? Could be an amber. Could be an ESB from England type beer. Carla, you're drooling. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask, like, how did you learn how to brew, become a brew master, I guess, is if that's what it's called. So, I, hold on, reset. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was at a party one time and I was complaining to a guy. Uh, that I barely knew who now works for me as of two weeks ago uh, <laughs> that I really liked these uh, maltier style beers you have from Europe. Uh, the ones we're most familiar with are Guinness, Smithix and Harp uh, or Newcastle Brown Ale, things like that. And uh, American beer just wasn't that great to me. Uh, having Bud Miller and Coors domestic beers um, at the time, Sweetwater was a thing, and I had that, and I didn't really care for it as much as at, back then because I wasn't an IPA person at all. Uh, now it's kind of changed. Um, but it was so hard to find a maltier, darker beer that I liked, and the only examples were like extremely high gravity, basically not what I wanted. And this guy said, well, why don't you just make your own? And uh, I said, well, you, you can do that? And he's like, yeah, I do it all the time in my house. I'm like, well, how? And he gave me some literature and links to stuff online to learn, and Next thing you know, it took right off. I started brewing with a friend of mine at his house, uh, and that was about nine years ago. And wow. I've been kind of offhandedly brewing at my house ever since. You too, Carly, can be your own. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to try that. <laughs> so I've got a question for you then, and and this comes from someone who who drinks wine more so than beer. A lot of times, like with your different wines, they'll talk about the flavor of them. And I hear you saying, you know, there's citrusy or the raspberry or whatever. But sometimes that's not because that actual fruit was infused into the flavor. It's because of however it was aged or however it came about. The flavors just kind of, I guess, imitate those flavors. And that's kind of what someone who's tasting it will get. Is that the same with with beer as it is with wine? Am I making to, sense? To a degree, yes. Uh -huh. uh, so with like wine. Like to say it's citrusy, is it true? truly have citrus in it? Or is that just the flavor that it invokes? A little bit of both, actually. So with wine, you, you know, people will say, oh, I get notes of tobacco or chocolate or something yeah. like that in a Cabernet. Uh, it's, those kind of things are very similar. Like, obviously, there's no chocolate or coffee in a, in a glass of wine. But you get those notes from the characteristics of the barrel that it was in or the yeast that they used or the temperature they fermented at. Mm -hmm. uh, with beer, though, you get that, but you also have a little bit more control in some of that. Um, so hops are a flower, so they do have citrus in them. There are very similar chemicals to that that are in there for the IPAs. So that citrusy character you get, like a pineapple-type flavor, can actually just come from hops being that citrusy in character. Uh, 
and there's blends of different hops and there's all kinds of new flavors that are just in between so many different worlds. And that's why a lot of guys like those kind of, or guys and girls, I should say, uh, <laughs> like those kind of. It's the South. You can just say y'all. Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, they like those kind of things. Cause you know, maybe you like pineapple, maybe you like tangerine. And one of these beers is in between those two in a citrus scale and you can't place it, but you get notes of both of those together. Uh, how to make those just comes from trial and error. <laughs> and, 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 and here you are. Well, that, well, that's that's the truth in a lot of things. That's right. Um, Matt, I did want to touch base with you about you basically dedicated your life to scouting because you were a scout, and then you started working for the scout, and I think you were a Rome native. Mm-hmm. And because scouting does not like let you become a scout executive in the council where you've been working, you went to Valdosta, mm-hmm. and I think you said Tallahassee, and came back here as a scout executive. So you've kind of been at – been in it to win it the whole time <laughs> that's right um tell us about uh, here's some trivia for you carly you know we've been to the moon i know you oh know. my god <laughs> 12 men have walked on the moon 11 of them were eagle scouts that's correct wow that's, wow. that's, that's very <laughs> impressive yeah. and i forget who the loser was who was the 12th one <laughs> and he was a scout he just didn't make it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the 18th birthday snuck up on him could be um just but to work for an organization that tries to mold and instill positive values of community service and helping your fellow man and all that. Just talk about the value system of scouting and how, what that means to your life to have so influence so many young people. Absolutely. You know, everything we do in scouting, if you look at our, you know, we we have all these, you know, a lot of folks call it a game with a purpose. You know, kids get into scouting because they want the fun. They want to learn how to swim or shoot or climb or do, do all the activities. And while they're doing that, we're slipping in things like, the scout oath and the scout law and, you know, the character, you know, parents want a, a solid foundation for their kids. And that's all we're doing. We're trying to give them, give them character through adversity. You know, I, I can think back to hundreds of experiences in scouting, but the one that sticks out was thought I was going to die at Camp Sydney do because it was six degrees and I wasn't prepared. And just like making beer. Hello. You, I thought the whole thing was be prepared. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> trial and error just like making beer you learn that uh you know this will never happen to me again yeah you know and we teach you know you teach a young person learn to follow then learn to lead and there's not too many things for a young person where they, they learn that leadership development whether it's their eagle project or being a patrol leader or being you know you're planning this you know it's adult guided and uh, for me you know i've been in scouting since i was seven years old and um I spent 20 years on the camp staff and we have this thing where we talk about of every hundred scouts that have joined and it goes through all these different steps. You know, this many will have their first interaction with the church. This one will use their scouting skills to save someone's life. This one will save their own life. There's about 20 of those. And I go down there and go, I got 17 of those myself. And I just know what it did for me. That's, that's been my life work. I want every young person in Northwest Georgia to have the same experience I did. I know what it did for me. I know what it's done for thousands of kids that have come through the program. And if we can put better employees out there, better fathers, better mothers, we've done our bit. For better the citizens. Better yeah. citizens yeah. that are participating. You know, I'm going to leave here and head down to our Rotary Club meeting in a little bit. And he'd ask, you know, that's a club that's full of adults that give back to the community. And you ask them, how many of you, you ask them to raise their, how many of you guys and gals were in scouting when, as a young person? And like 90% of the hands go up. Yeah. So we're teaching traits. 
that stay with people their entire life. Yeah, now, I, I think a little competition is always good for the soul. Is it scouts that do the, is it the Pine Derby? Pinewood Derby. Pinewood Derby. Cub Scouts do that, yeah. It's yes. like K through fifth graders. And that's one of those deals where everybody starts with the with the same box of, of ingredients of or yep. a block of wood. There you go. And and then they all start off with the same tools to work with, and it depends on how much time effort and and intelligence they put into it as to whether or not it gets highly competitive i have heard that <laughs> uh it's like, like nascar everybody gets the same tools and <laughs> well, what you do with your axles and your body and your arrow package you know yeah it's crazy well let's kind of we need we need to kind of be wrapping up so we just want to go around and touch base with everybody one more time about contact information so how can the community connect with you support you and nonprofits obviously need cash and volunteers and what have you um so, Renee, let's start with you. Like, where are you guys located? Hours? What do you need? And, and social media, website, what can people do to connect with you? So, um, we, we are centrally located, so we're on the public transportation line and hopefully make it easier for a lot of our patients, even though we do serve the greater Rome area, um, Chattooga County, Polk County, Bartow, all around. Um, we are in Rome at number three professional court. Um, we do have a website at www.freeclinicofrome. And on that website, there is an available or a donate button there for anyone who just wants to give on our website. Um, we love good old-fashioned checks in the mail. Makes my day to go check the mail and there be there be something in there um, as a donation. We are a nonprofit organization, so donations are tax deductible. Um, uh, kind of a downside, but since the pandemic happened, a lot of people used to want to donate the medicines that they had at home and no longer use that type of thing. Um, unfortunately, because of this nasty virus that still goes around and a lot of contagions that are still around and things that have been in homes themselves for a while, we are unable to bring in um, donations that people bring us from their homes anymore. Um, and, and that is unfortunate. We would, we would love to be able to do that. What we can take, however, though, is um, a book of stamps, a case of toilet paper, paper towels, cleaning wipes, okay. anything that's day-to-day clinic um, cleaning supplies are always great and will always be used with us, and we appreciate that. Um, but the monetary donations, um, again, you can go to our website and do that, and um, or just you know something in the mail. Okay, great, Justin. You guys are on Etowah, uh on the Etowah River, <laughs> yes, <we are. laughs> Glen Milner Boulevard. But yeah. uh, hours and website, social media. How can people connect? Uh, all of the above. We're at 320 Glen Milner Boulevard. We're open Tuesday through Saturday. We open up at four on the weekdays. We open up at noon on Friday and Saturday. Uh, we are closed on Sundays and Mondays because uh, we need a day off. Right. And uh, yeah, we have all the social media. We're doing Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and I'm even trying to head up a, a YouTube channel where I'm trying to give updates and show stuff that I'm doing to build this place out and the progress and later on i'm going to be showing some brewing stuff on there as well i think what did, what did we do before social media mm-hmm. the face instagram snap tweet stuff <laughs> Carly, he, Carly's, for people that don't know roger's always pointing at me around the social media because carly's rolling her eyes <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm the old guy who's on facebook before uh, things go off on justin though i want to say this is a podcast so you guys can't say justin rocks a beard if you don't go just for the beer you ought to at least see the beard there's a lot of hard work that goes into that isn't there, justin? Well, there there's a go ahead apparently it's a pre-requirement there because everybody has one <laughs> 
it's it's a maybe there's a marketing slogan there beer and beards or something you know it's uh or zz top wannabes or only because i know how much product and mirror time my husband takes on his mustache alone can i appreciate what all goes into that uh, yeah, it's I, I I can't even grow sideburns, so I'm in, I'm envious here. Mine was just laziness. I got out of, I got out of the navy and I didn't. Want I to wish shave I anymore. had laziness that turned out looking like that. Good. Uh, uh, all right, Matt, with the uh, Northwest Georgia Council of the Boy Scouts, uh, uh, connectivity information, website, social media. How can people How can people get involved? Yeah, our first uh, first front line is our website n yeah. n this is a busy time of year for us. Uh, we've got to visit every single classroom in seven counties. It's a lot of information on joining there. Uh, we have, do have a big fundraiser coming up. Our golf tournament is in September. All the information on Camp Sydney do. It's Alumni Association. So if you've got listeners that uh, came to camp 40 or 50 years ago and want to keep a loose connection, they can see about our alumni. But it's all there. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube channels, this <laughs> Type in Northwest Georgia Boy Scouts. It'll come up. Uh, probably more things we want to come up will come up. But uh, <laughs> we appreciate all the support. Uh, we are about 90% funded directly from uh, individual contributions. Um, and that's, that's, that's our bread and butter. Uh, you'll see a lot of kids out here. Actually, starting Saturday, uh, our popcorn sale kicks off for the fall. So you'll see all the kids out uh, trying to earn their own way. They're selling their, their product. So that's what we Teach them in scouting. I bought a lot of popcorn over the years. <laughs> good. They'll be down here knocking on your door here. Probably. You were the good uncle then. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, and I bought a lot of cookies from the Girl Scouts, too, because I'm a tag-along guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can tell. Uh, <laughs> scouting rounds a guy out more yeah. later than one. <laughs> I bought a lot of popcorn over the years. It's good stuff. Yeah, so. Uh, okay, Carly, from the chamber, uh, any, any final thoughts? What's going on? Ribbon cuttings, you name it. Always. We always have ribbon cuttings, always events. So everyone can always go to our website at romega.com. Our calendar's there. Um, when to thank everyone that comes on to the podcast. We appreciate everything that you guys do being part of our part of the chamber. Um, we would love if everyone would follow us on social media because we do love to highlight different chamber members with awards that they've maybe won and stuff like that. So we would love for the community to maybe get back with us if y'all have anything to share kind of thing. Yeah, and if uh, you're out there considering starting a business in Rome or if you're listening, because this is a podcast where, you know, it's on the World Wide Web, you know, it's on that inner thing where you can <laughs> listen to it anywhere. It's a great town, great people. First place you should start is with the chamber because you can create connections and then you can come be on the podcast. <laughs> yes. And Roger loves people, to, loves to talk to people. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, thank you everybody. This has been fun. We do appreciate it. You've been listening to the Rome Floyd Chamber Small Business Spotlight. We broadcast from the Hardy Realty Studios on Broad Street in downtown Rome, Georgia, and we work in cooperation with the Rome News Tribune. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>